Hopefully uh, we got the message you picked them up. Uh, parents, of course, uh, that's what they do often with their children. You, you pick them up. Uh, Grady Judd the other day on television giving a, a report after someone had been ambushed and murdered. And he said, parents, I need you to parent. I need parents to be parenting. Kids cannot raise themselves. Be concerned about what's going on. Shortly after that, I was uh, talking with him on the phone for a little while. And I said, I understand parents be parents. He said, Pastor, the suicide rate in this county just in the last little while has gone up 75%. People feel hopeless. Students, unfortunately, many of those are students and teenagers that feel like life is not worth it. I can tell you it's important as a parent, pick them up, encourage your children, love them. And today we're going to talk primarily to the fathers or to the men of the church. We're going to talk to everyone uh, before it's over. Lucille Ball, how many remember her? May I see your hand? Sharon loves Lucille Ball and she has coached several of our grandkids to love her. But shortly before she died, she had a television interview with Merv Griffin and he asked her a very serious pointed question. Lucille, he said, you've lived a long time here on earth and you're a wise person. He said, what's happening to our country? What's wrong with our children? Why are our families falling apart? What's missing? She answered without hesitation. She says, Papa's missing. Things are falling apart because Papa is gone. If Papa were here, he would fix it. What I'm trying to suggest to you that the foundation of America is not politics. The foundation of America is not financial wealth. The foundation of America is what God created from the beginning. It is the home and the family. If the home and the family are strong and grounded in biblical principles, my friend, America will thrive. If the home is falling apart, if relationships in the home are falling apart, so goes the culture of America. If you believe that, say amen. This man made this statement, Frank Clark. He said, a father is a man who expects his son to be as good a man as he meant to be. In other words, Mr. Clark is saying, well, I want my son to be as good a man as I'm meant to be. Well, we know that we don't have to live that way, that we can prioritize our relationships with our children, with our community, with our spouse. One of the great characteristics of a family that is thriving, the great, great characteristic of a culture is faithfulness. Say that word with me, faithfulness. Well, we know today is Father's Day, and we're going to be talking about direct the parallel between faithfulness and the men and the dads. Faithfulness isn't just a word that's often used these days. We use it when somebody's talking about retirement. Okay, 25 years of faithful service, you get a you get a gold chain or, or man, my dog was old and, and she was ugly, but buddy, she was sure faithful or my car's old and rusty, but, 
but she sure is faithful. One minister that I know went on with that and then he stopped. He said, and my wife, she's, and he stopped dead still. He didn't continue on in there. That saved his life. It says, who can find a faithful man? Think about the responsibility of being a father to be the spiritual leader, whether you agree or not, is to be a spiritual leader. Psalms 33, he is faithful, talking about God, in all his ways. Our God is faithful in all of his ways. You see, being faithful to anything, my friend, makes life easier, but being unfaithful to something you're supposed to be committed to makes life more difficult than ever. Proverbs 25, 19 says, like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. What is he saying? He said the unreliable person that you can't get along with, they are in pain because they're like a bad tooth or they're like a crippled foot. We like things that are faithful. We like the school bus that picks our kids up in the morning to be faithful, to be on time when they're supposed to be there. We like the postman to come at the time that we think that their usual time is. Well, there's one thing that's faithful. It's found in Yellowstone National Park. How many of you know what it's called in Yellowstone National Park? All faithful. That geyser that is there, you can count on it. It's not the biggest, not the tallest, not the largest or anything of that nature, but it is faithful to move out and gush out at the right time every single day. A father is a man that you can count on. He should be. Are you dependable? That is to say, a good father who understands the priorities knows that. What is your reputation? What will your kids say about you, sir? What does your wife say? What do your coworkers say? Are you faithful? There are great rewards as it relates to faithfulness. And that is a promise out of the Word of God in Matthew 25. The faithful man will be richly blessed. Well, I want to talk about a few areas. You stay with me. And my prayer is this, that you'll get at least a point or two that will relate to you. And as it relates to you this morning, it will cause you to say, I want to take a step closer to being the kind of person, the kind of leader, the kind of husband, the kind of father that I, I need to be. How many of you know, even the greatest of dads make mistakes. If you believe that, raise your hand. The greatest of dads. There are no perfect dads. I know that'll disappoint my kids who are hearing this message today. But there are no perfect dads. None whatsoever. Number one, keep your promise. Say that with me. Keep your promise. Proverbs 25, 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts and he does not give. Always making promises. Man, I'm going to do that for you when my ship comes in. Sure. Or I'm aiming to do that, okay. Or I'll call you back later and you know you're never going to get a call back. Or the check's in the mail. A lot of them are in the mail. They've just never arrived. As a man, it's important to illustrate that we keep our promises to our family, to our coworkers, and to the society in which we live. 
but sometimes we make promises to get somebody off our back. I know that you've never done that, but let's say the kids want a puppy. They want a puppy. They want a puppy, and they're after a puppy. You say, no, no, no. Can't have a dog's not possible, et cetera. And then your precious spouse says, you know what? You need to, let's let the kids have a dog, and you say no. And she says again, listen to me. I think it's important for the kids to have a dog, and you say no. But after a while, you get weary in well-doing. And you say, okay, if everybody will behave and not mention this for the next 10 years, I'll give consideration to getting a dog. You cave in on what you might consider to be your promise. We've all done that. But there's a challenge there. Proverbs 20, verse 25, it is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later consider your vows. Only later. In other words, people learn not to trust what you say. So as the leader of the household spiritually, as the guide and the responsibility that's on you, and God expects you to make it, sir, so he gave you a help meet that encourages you, that points out the ketchup bottle when you can't see it, that makes sure the needs of the family are met. It's important, but when you break promises and when you don't show up to the baseball game like you said you would, or you say, we're going out to dinner, and then you don't, and you break more promises than you keep, here's what happens when you make those promises to your children. A spirit of resentment comes up in their heart, and they resent you. They resent what you say. Children don't know how to deal with that. So that angry resentment comes up and then you've got major problems. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 says, it is better not to vow at all than to make up a vow and not fulfill it. Keep your promises. Say it again. Keep your promises. Y'all didn't do very well. Let me slow her down a little bit. Can you say, keep your promises? Thank you. Next, honor your relationships. Honor your relationships. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and husbands and wives must be faithful to each other. That means you hold in high regard and high esteem and great respect of your relationship. It also means saying, I'm sorry, because you hold the positive aspect of your marriage to be high in the priority. So you break down the barrier of saying, hey, I'm gonna break that barrier. I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it opens the door for healing. See, someone made this statement, the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. You say amen? Amen. Sometimes being unfaithful is simply not honoring your commitments or your priorities, and it has more to do when you're unfaithful as it relates to a relationship. It has to do with not keeping your commitments and saying, okay, I make these promises, but I, but I don't follow through. Do you know what it's like if you say your spouse does not trust you, sir? Do you know what it's like for your children, maybe not bold enough to say it, some are? I don't trust you. 
What you have done is broken a sacred principle in your family. 1 Corinthians 13 says when you love somebody, they can count on you. Number three, use your talents. Say that with me. Use your talents. How you doing, balcony? Everybody good up there? Use your talents. Okay. 1 Peter 4.10. Each should use whatever spiritual gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So here's what we know according to this book. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has talent. Everybody has a skill set given to you and created by God. You heard the basketball player. What do I need to do to get in the NBA? What do I need to do to get in the NBA? You need to lose 20 pounds. You need to get into an exercise routine and you need to shoot a whole lot at the basket. Those are things that you have to do. That will improve your talents. Every person it's been given to. Wives look proudly at their husbands when they use the gift God has given you as a spiritual leader and see you engaged and involved in the family devotion, engaged and involved in the church, engaged and involved in touching people that need a touch. They, they smile on that and you become you become a spiritual hero. As a dad, we keep our promises, but we use our talents not just to make money, not just to win favor, but we use it to impact our children and our family in the name of Jesus Christ. Number four, make the most of your time. Say that with me. Make the most of your time. It's only one thing that we all have in common. One, 168 hours a week. That's what you have, 168 hours. We all have the same amount of time. Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes 5.15, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as people who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best of your time. Make the best of it. Three things that you can do with your time. Are you ready? I know you are. Here we go. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. And, and the best way to use it for your life, to make a difference in the priorities of your life, to pick your children up, to pick your spouse up, to speak, pick your family up, is to invest it in something that's going to outlast you. There are two, two primary time wasters is regret and worry. You cannot continue to look back and say, I regret that. I regret that. I regret that. And then look to the future tomorrow and say, hey, I'm worried about tomorrow. If you're regretting the past and you're worried about tomorrow, you know what you'll do? You will lose today. It'll be non-productive and you will have taken 24 hours and wasted it because you focused yesterday and you're worried about tomorrow. Give it all to God and don't waste that time. It's important for all dads and fathers to realize that we need to take time with our kids. And that I love these uh, who say, I got a daddy-daughter date. I love it when I hear a couple say, tonight is our date night. You know what? Here's what I found out that most women, most women they don't care where you take them. They don't care where you take them just as long as you take the time to do it. Are, are you with me? 
They, they don't, it doesn't, you know what, often you like to reminisce a little bit is go back to the, go back to the place that you went to sometime when you dated. For Sharon and me, the place that we went to when we dated because the meal was really good and cheap was Andy's Igloo in Winter Haven, Florida. We go there and we would get the super burger basket. That's it. They didn't have steak, so I wasn't worried. How <laughs> I many you know what I'm talking about? But have those dates, what are you doing? You're picking up and making that marriage healthy. And when you're raising your children, when we were raising our children, we didn't do everything right. I didn't do everything right. I didn't spend the amount of time that I look back on now and think I should have spent more time with Tim. He turned out okay. Thanks, thank God for his mama. The girls, all three of them called me this morning. Daddy, we wish you a happy Father's Day. I appreciate that. The two girls, they turned out okay as far as I know. Due to their mama, I'm out, boy, winning people of the Lord. If I could go back, I, might, I would change that a little bit. But here's what I know. I got grandkids now. And I'm going to enjoy my grandkids. Amen. One of them called me last night and said, Granddad, can I come to your house for dinner? Well, that'd be great, sweetheart. Well, we've already eaten. Now, why was she calling me? Because she loves me. No, she didn't like what her mama was fixing for dinner. And she thought, I know I always go with granddad. They get something good to eat. Well, that was the way it was me. My house where I live, where I lived all of my life, 219 West Eagle Lake Loop Road, one pasture, just one pasture 200 yards away, my grandmother and my grandfather were there. Well, when my mama would fix something that I didn't like, or she fixed leftovers. There was a time I didn't like leftovers. I'm not really hip on them now. But at any rate, I'd just go down through the pasture, and I'd say, Grandmother, what are you having? She might say, well, son, I'm fixing those little cornbread patties that I fry up. I thought that's good. And we're going to have some pork chops with it. We're going to have some rice and gravy. I said, I'm eating here. <laughs> now, my mother didn't have to ask where I was because she knew. Now, now, listen, I was fair about all of it because I didn't want to hurt my mama and I didn't want to hurt my grandmother. So there were many times I just ate at both places. I can tell, Pastor. <laughs> Both places. We enjoy it. Listen carefully, friend. Stand by your friends. Say that with me. Stand by your friends. It is stated that most only have three to five best friends. In other words, best friends could spit in your face and they're still going to be your friend. Because they have more equity than just that one act of spitting in your face. Best friends that are there. Proverbs 17, 17, a true friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. You see, our best friends, our friends are consistent and reliable and can count on in a crisis. Sharon and I had a turbulent week last week. Coming into today, You've heard me, my mom and her brother and my aunt, and it was turbulent. And you know what happened? I found out that I had a lot of friends. 
I, I, I'm here to tell you, we got phone calls from all over the place. We got mail and emails and texts from around the world. Individuals I haven't heard of, people showed up at the funerals that we haven't seen in 10 years. And Victory Church, I'm here to tell you, I couldn't be more proud because you showed up. Pastor, we love you. You sent notes. You sent cards. You did everything that you could. And I said, God, I got the best church in the world here at Victory. And I want to say thank you to you for being great individuals and being our friends today. We love you. Amen. Amen. They sang that on Bill Gaither this morning, by the way. They took it from me. You see, your friend won't run away from you when you're in trouble. They will run toward you. Your best friend knows how to talk and pardon the yard talk. They know when to shut up. Your best friend hangs with you when you're doing the right thing. And they hang with you when you're not doing the right thing. You see, it's important. We understand the power of maintaining your friendships. And let me ask you this. Check and see who's on the short list. Your short list of your best friends. Number six, manage your money. Say that with me. Manage your money. Manage your money. Stewardship is not just about money. It's about life. It's about talent. It's about giftings. Luke 16, 11, if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In, in other words, if you're not faithful with physical matters in your own financial household, how are you going to be faithful to the matters of God? The church of Jesus Christ is calling loudly for husbands and fathers and brothers to set the example. Hey, kids. Hey, family. It's important that we honor God first with our giving. Understand that. It's important, I say, don't just give your tithe. Let your kids know it's a spiritual act unto God so they understand. Well, do you pay your bills on time? Are you, are you faithful in tithing the Lord? Do you have a balance in your finances? Do you manage that which God has gifted you? Uh, do, do you understand, gentlemen, you're the spiritual umbrella for your family? And as you live and move, your family is blessed accordingly. 1 Corinthians 16:2, the Living Bible. On every Sunday, each of you should put aside something from which you've earned during the week and use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you to earn. Faithful in our giving. Number seven, do your best at work. Say that, do your best at work. Well, you see, it means... Are you a good employee? Are you a good supervisor? Are you a good boss? Everybody, can they dictate and say, I can tell you one thing, they're going to be here early. I have one individual that works in another organization that I give management oversight to. He can't read and he can't write. 
But you can count on him being at work an hour early every day. Every single day. Ready to go every single day. He's there an hour early. Well, I mean, my gracious, an hour early. He could be with his family. No, that's how he functions. It's how he gets, that's how he does. What I'm saying to you is be dependable. Do you show up? And here's something else that we look at. We look at that businesses look at is Facebook post. Oh, you want a job? Well, let, let's check your Facebook post. And you know how many people look good on paper. I had that situation just this week. Just this week in another organization that I'm engaged in. Look good on paper. Education is there. Experience is there. But if you check that Facebook post, take a look at it. What you're going to see is an individual that doesn't look at all like this person you see on paper. Do you know what? We have a reputation to live up to, don't we, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. And as dads and fathers, it's important that our reputation is strong. Luke 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. If you have not been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? My first church, many of you know, seven people started out. They had service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Because there wasn't enough income to support Sharon and me, our little family that began to grow, I worked extra job or two. But always had the opportunity at church, study. But seven on Sunday morning, three or four on Sunday night, Wednesday night, just two. I'd come in tired, come in tired and say, I have my message and study because it's not a lot of, a lot of free time. But I'd get there and I'd preach like the house was full. Why? Because that was what I was supposed to do. Sharon would be the only one out there. You've heard me say before, I'd, she'd give a prayer request and I would take it from her. I always needed a convert. She was always faithful to get saved. <laughs> Said, now those of you that raised your hand, would you come to the altar? And she would always come. And then she said, now I'm going to be the preacher. You go out there and I'll give the altar call. And I always came to the altar. That way we always had, we always had converts. What am I trying to tell you? When you commit to something, you think, you think God would have cared? I think he would have. Do you think the people, the seven people, you think they care? Not much. But you'll never, ever be able to tell me that my being faithful and Sharon being faithful during that time, that God took note and said to me 45 years ago, I have big things in store for you because you have been faithful when it didn't really matter to others. Friend, maintain faithfulness because God will bless that faithful commitment. Amen? Amen. I like that. Amen. Beautiful. So do your best at work. And then finally, somebody say amen. amen. Finally. You commit yourself to the church. Why don't you stand on your feet? I have to say that because there are some who might stand on their hands. Here we go now. 
Here we go now. Commit yourself to a church, your church. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You know what I just said? You have a responsibility to that person beside you, that person behind you, that person in front of you. You have a responsibility to your fellow believers. We're one body. And he said, you make the kind of commitment. You make the kind of commitment that gives hope and encouragement to your other brothers and sisters. And not only that, not only that, they're new converts that come. They don't understand yet what needs to be done. So what are they going to do? They're going to watch you. Well, buddy, I, I see them. They're engaged in church and they're here. So I need to be faithful. That's what he's saying. You see, it's, it's a tough job battling sometimes in this walk with God. All kind of battles because the devil will never sit idle. You know that we preached about that recently. So what do we do? We become an encouragement. We pick them up. We let them know, hey, God cares about you. And by seeing us engage in the church, we make the church stronger. Listen, do you know the only thing holding back an onslaught of absolute annihilation spiritually is the church of Jesus Christ. I can prove it. As long as it's here, before the rapture of the church, God will hold back the wave of satanic intervention instigation but when the church is gone by the rapture then all types of antichrist spirit will come into the culture today that's why we have to make the church strong and we all have a responsibility let me read again Romans 12 5 so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others am i my brother's keeper you know that you are we are responsible for one another we're to be faithful koinonia fellowship by this shall all men know you are a disciple that you love one another dads fathers men Remember a few of these points. Ladies, encourage them. Give it your best shot. If your dad's still living, be sure you try to communicate today. Let them know you're proud and you love them. You care for them. Let's pause for prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, I thank you today because I believe that you are in this room. I thank you for Father's Day. We try to put a little twist on it that would make it interesting to some of the younger culture. And God, here's what we know. We're just super serious right now. We need forgiveness. We've blown it in so many areas. We've become lax. We've become apathetic. We've gotten to the place that we don't care sometimes. And we've gotten to the place that we think it doesn't matter. But God, in your name, everything matters. When it comes to the kingdom of God, I pray that you'll bless and minister to all of us and give us hope and give us faith and let us be better men, better leaders, better husbands.
God in our families, let us pick them up by the grace of God. And just in case, because we all know that we may have failed in some area, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me right now. Shall we do it together? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thanks, for me. thanks for forgiving me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your love. And thank you for the security that I feel in you. I've made mistakes. I haven't been all that I needed to be. But today I confess that. I ask you to help me. Now give me the strength that I need to stand in the gap and give my family the leadership it needs in Jesus' name. Amen. I know God answered prayer. You might be here this morning and you say, I have a need. You might say, I've got a sickness or I've got a son or a daughter or a husband or, or maybe you're wrestling in a relationship right now. I mean, and it's tough and you're squaring off head to head all the time. May I encourage you? God can give you the peace that passes all understanding and, and help you be an overcomer. If you're not well in your body, now is the time. Now is the time for God to move. Sharon's brother, Tony, 90 days before just last week, never smoked, never drank, never did any coughing lightly. His wife said, Beth said, you need to go get that check. Now nah, I'm okay, I'm just a little cough. Finally went, over a period of time he went, and they said, you have a mass in your lungs. Never knew it. You have cancer. I don't know that you can get ahead of it. My point is this. You just never know what's going on. But when you're obedient to God, God will give you the wisdom to be able to manage life. Amen. They're going to lead in worship. And if you need to come forward, I encourage you to come forward. And just let God speak to you. Otherwise, we're going to let you slip out as you will. And let's just trust God together. I love you, everybody. God bless you, and happy Father's Day. We'll wait here for a moment as we worship.